Hi, I'm Clarissa Joy, and I'm hanging out with Ina Esco and the Verbally Effective Podcast. What it do, people? It's your man, Wayne Williams. Wayne Train, representing that train gang out of recess. And I'm with my girl, Double E, Ina Esco, on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Verbally Effective, your Double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Verbally Effective Podcast. You definitely could be anywhere in the world right now, but you are here with me and my crew. Big shout-outs to my producer, Dr. Sonale Bourne and my creative director, Mr. Jeremy Pride, a.k.a. Jet Eye Digital. Today, my guest is Mr. Chase, a.k.a. Mr. International, a.k.a. Mr. Passport Dundada. He is a licensed aircraft mechanic, a flight mechanic, and training pilot. Hi, Chase. Hey, what's going on? How, How are, you, are you? I'm fantastic. You're fantastic. Fantastic. How about yourself? I'm wonderful. And you know what, Chase? Uh, when what, what month was that? I last saw you in this very studio. Oh man, that was <laughs> when was the uh, was forty that under forty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. November. November. Yes, yeah. you and your brother Rich Fresh visited yeah. the pod. He was actually um, a guest on the pod, and that's when. Well, I actually met you uh, uh, right before that, though. Yeah, yeah, it was like a day or two <laughs> prior to that. Yes, yeah. and now you're here as my guest. Welcome, welcome. Look at God, you know what Look I mean? Look at God. Divine intervention, making things happen, right? Yes, you know, you hit me up with the exclusive info. was <laughs> like, Ina, did you know? And I'm like, wait a minute, we need to talk about this. Yeah, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about for sure. Yes, we're going to get into it very shortly. However... Who is Mr. Chase? Where are you from, Chase? Oh, man, where's Chase from? I'm from, honestly, <laughs> right, I'm from everywhere. Uh, I'm, I'm a Memphis transplant. You're a Memphis transplant? Yeah, I didn't move here until I was 13. I moved to Memphis on my 13th birthday, actually, okay. from Little Rock. Okay. And then prior to Little Rock, I lived in, oh, man, I lived in North, North Carolina, South Carolina, Wow. Utah. Military background, right? I lived in Germany. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is yeah, your mom or your dad? So both of them. My dad was okay. a uh, a captain in the Army. My mom, I think she may have done like two or four years, and she was like, wow, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so you all settled in Memphis. Yeah, we settled in Memphis um, when I turned 13, right? And then I think I left Memphis when I was maybe right around 21. Mm -hmm. I kind of like... <laughs> I was too old to run away from home, but I kind of had to run away to, you know, kind of do me. Yeah. You know what I mean? We all uh, got to do that at some point. Huh? Yeah. Yes. But but I think uh, the fact that, you know, I traveled around so much as a kid, it makes it easier for me to do what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes it easier for me to, like, I know people that are from, let's say, Memphis even or, you know, New York or wherever. They've never been out of the country before. They travel a lot domestically, but like they've never been. Yeah, they've never been anywhere internationally. And I think it's like super cool to be able to see how you know there's like different cultural backgrounds in different countries. You know, like how people do things, the way they move, the way they eat, like how their families operate and stuff like that. Actually, spend time and and, and see that's really cool. It's humbling, 
it's eye-opening and it's exciting at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely uh, cool to check out your Insta stories and your social media because you may be <laughs> in the Far East one day <laughs> and then you're in Europe the next. So you do a lot of traveling, yeah. but you get some of, like, not the touristy stuff. You get the, like, real deal culture wherever you are. Yeah, um, there's times where... You know, I've been around touristy stuff, but I don't like looking like a tourist. Yeah. Like, even if I travel somewhere, and, you know, like I'm not the guy that's pulling cameras out, taking pictures and stuff. Yeah. Cause I don't like looking like a tourist. Mm-hmm. Now, I know if I go to Asia, obviously I'm not Asian, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I still, I, I just try to, mean. yeah, I try not to find the tourist spots. Unless, of course, the Great Wall of China, you got to do that. Oh, You definitely. know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like one of the seven wonders, wonders of, of the world, world, right? You have to do that. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> But yeah, like once you like get deep off into it, mm-hmm. there's some really like there's some really cool stuff you can find in different countries. Like once you step outside of the tourist mm-hmm. areas safely, yeah, but Right. Let's not talk about yeah. the Dominican Republic now. <laughs> you know, people going missing and dying yeah. and I mean, oh Lord, yeah. did you hear about that? They need to place an embargo on that like that. What is government. going on in the DR? <laughs> I know, you know what's wild, like the, the the crazy thing about messing with tourists is it messes up your economy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're there, you know, chopping people up and <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? Poisoning them. Yeah, exactly. It makes people not want to Yeah, they don't want that bad press. They don't. They're doing nah. everything to to yeah. kinda calm that the PR got, crisis down. Yeah, think about how many people go to the DR a year. I have a cousin who goes there two or three times a year religiously. Right. But guess what? He said he's still going. Like he's <laughs> like that ain't stopping his show, baby. He love the women in the DR. Yeah, I heard. I heard about them, but you know, mm-hmm. I haven't been there. Okay, wait a minute. Let's back <laughs> up. Growing up in Memphis at the age of thirteen, what school were you attending? When I moved here. Yeah. Um, I think I went to I went to Chatelon Middle School, right? Chatelon. What yeah, part of Memphis? It's like is in Arlington. Chatelon. Okay, Arlington. No, I lived in Bartlett. Oh, okay. Yeah, I grew up in Bartlett. Okay. Um, so I went to Chatelon. Okay. And then the next year I went to Bolton. Bolton. I was supposed I'm to go to yeah. I was supposed to go to Bartlett, but I guess my family moved on the wrong side of the street. Yeah, it could make a difference. Yeah, man. and that invisible line put me on the Bolton list. So. so how did you like Bolton? It was cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I from from what I came from in Arkansas, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, it was very different. Really? What was the differences you noticed immediately? Uh, well, <laughs> there was a lot more white people for starters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just the schools that I went to in Arkansas, though, it was just. Mostly black. Yeah, mostly black. Okay. Uh, it was, like, super big. Mm-hmm. You know, like well, I think my brother went to like a magnet school in in um, in Arkansas, so he went to like a really big school. Mine wasn't like that crazy, mm-hmm. so I got the boat, and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> I got lost a few times." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, did you like the curriculum? Did you feel like you were getting a pretty good education at Bolton? Um, you know what? So here's the thing about that, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 not necessarily about Bolton, but just me in general I kind of looked at it like I think everybody needs education obviously you know but more than half of the stuff that I encountered in high school I've never encountered again in life like what 
Like uh, Shakespeare, for instance. Mm-hmm. I've never needed it for, uh, you know, a job interview or anything yeah. like that. Okay. You I know what you. I'm saying? Like, there was just, there was, like, a lot of stuff, you know, in there that it was just, to me, and, and here's the thing. That's why you have some people that once they graduate high school, right, they'll either go the university route because school, you know what I mean, like, was something for them. Mm-hmm. And then you have people that don't even... Like, they don't even go to college of any kind at all. They just discontinue school, period. And then you have people that go the trade school route because sitting in a classroom and reading books, you know, and doing lectures is not for them. They're more the hands-on type, Mm -hmm. you know. So you have, like, just, I don't know, just multiple kind of people. And, I don't know, just school, it's different strokes for different folks, Mm -hmm. you know. Nothing bad about it. I think everybody should, should go through it. But I'm not going to say everybody should, like, continue and go to, like, a university or anything like that. Yeah. And you know what? I think that right now that's being voiced more now with instead of you pushing your kids to go to college now, it's a lot of more so try to learn about business and finance, you know, right out of school. Or, like, while you're in school, you don't have to go to college to be a business owner. You know, you don't have to go to school to do what you really want to do. So I see a lot of that being pushed right now. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm an advocate of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, so I was kind of like a high school dropout, right? I went to homeschool for a while. My parents owned a a Subway restaurant. So, you know, I've been in the entrepreneurial family. I've just had, I've been exposed to it for so long. You know, like my dad was always investing in stuff. I mean, I sat down at the computer one day and he showed me some numbers. I was like, why do you, why do you keep going to work, man? What are you doing? You know, but multiple streams of income. And that's what he was about, you know. So um, I know it's a lot of people that are really pushing the entrepreneurial agenda. I think it's a good thing. It, it stimulates the economy. Mm-hmm. It creates jobs, you know. Um, and then we're living in, like, the age that we're in. You have, like, mm-hmm. you can create something in Memphis, Tennessee, and sell it to somebody in China mm-hmm. in, like, 30 minutes or less, you Man, know? Wait. Like, that's 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 where we are. The internet just broke the mold, huh? Yeah, it did. It did. Mm-hmm. You know, And but, again, you have people who, they're not teaching stuff like that in high school. Mm-hmm. Are they Still teach, to this day. Are they teaching anything about finance in oh. high school? Like, credit. debt, credit, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, stuff that you really need. When you when you like become an adult, when you get out of your parents' house, and you're like, I'm 18, I get this credit card. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about it? Right. All right, and that's how a lot of people end up in debt. Another way a lot of people end up in debt. Sorry, but it is what it is, right? Some people they come right out of high school, and they go straight to a university. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be real. They have no idea what they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's one. Yeah, they started racking up those student loans. Some people, you know, they use them for a personal reason. Some people use it for to pay for their school, mm-hmm. but they don't know why they're going to school. Mm-hmm. They're just going because their parents said they had to. They got to do something, right, or they get kicked out the house. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for a lot of people, I think Kanye West said it before, that major that they majored in don't make no money. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. and, then, <laughs> and then you come out four years later, and you owe fifty, sixty thousand dollars, and you can't get a job anywhere, mm-hmm. or you don't have enough experience. I got a bachelor's degree, you know what I mean? But you don't have the experience, so now you got to go work somewhere for four years, mm-hmm. 
to get the experience to come and get this fifty thousand dollar a year job. Yeah. So you can start paying off your fifty or sixty thousand dollars student. That's crazy. And especially (laughs) if you don't have the guidance and your parents preaching that to you at a young age. I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. My dad would always talk to me about credit and establishing good credit very early on, which is stuck in my mind. But, of course, me being me, you being, you know, a young lady, young man, you're going to bump your head, right? Absolutely. And I was a freshman in college. I'm in the bookstore at Lamorne on College, baby. Here we go with the credit card proposals, right? I mean, everybody be everywhere trying to sign you up for a credit card. I said, well, let me just get one. Right. I can't mess it up that bad, right? Yes, you can. So I did get a credit card, but I will tell you from my daddy preaching it in and out about keeping good credit, I maintained very good credit. Mm. Very, I had A1 credit when I graduated from college. But I mean, I was like, well, I'm going to get one anyway. You know, he was like, don't do it until you're done with school. But I did get one, and I did keep it good. But, yeah, I got grown and acquired a lot of bills and kind of fucked it up, you yeah. know, at a certain point. But I'm trying to get it back on track now. But my daddy did preach about having good credit, and I'm thankful for that because at least I know, and I can teach it to my kids, Yeah, you know, right now. Yeah. That's what me and my 13-year-old talk about all the time. As you should. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like, as so should 13-year-olds in school. Yeah. They should, you know what I mean? Like, of course, unless your objective is to have people in debt, you know what I mean? Like, right. then don't teach them anything. Um, but if you really want them to know about it, then you teach them about it. You know, like, they really want us to know about Christopher Columbus set on the Ocean Blue in 1492. <laughs> so they beat that into our heads, you mm. know what I mean? But, like, think about the the like how far ahead you would be financially and everything else if they beat that credit, you exactly. know what I mean, and the importance of it into your head. And a lot of people have, honestly, man, a lot of people have jacked up credit and they realize that, like, you can mess it up as many times as you want. You just fix it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's a, I've seen people spend five, ten years playing games, mm-hmm. you know, like, trying to repair it. And they just don't have the, the know with all. They don't, they don't have the knowledge. And it's, I mean, it's not the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. You know, especially if you know what you're doing. Now, when you were in school, um, what were you into in school? The girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the uh, girls. I think every every high school dude was. Um, I don't know. I wasn't really into sports, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I was, like, super short. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wasn't into sports. I Honestly, I really was, I was just into my own my own world. I like to sing and stuff like that back then. You can then. sing, Chase. I could. I could. You still can then. Yeah, I mean, I Let me hear could. a note. I don't have anything. Mine, give me a dough right man. <clears throat> hey, girl. <laughs> you know I've been. That's it. I was a bass. <laughs> nah, and, before know, the pause started, I heard, I heard, <laughs> I heard a little tone in your voice. I, I think you still got it. Why you didn't join the choir, Chase? I did. You did? I okay. did. I joined the concert choir because I wanted to go to New York. Okay. Yeah. Were you a tenor? Uh, no, I was a, yeah, I think I was a tenor. I was either a tenor, like a tenor or, yeah, I think I was. I was okay. definitely not a bass. Did you say you wanted to go to New York? Yeah, they had a trip coming up to New York. <laughs> did y'all go? Man, I didn't. Okay. I didn't make it. Okay. Yeah, I made it, you know, a little while through, and, and then and then I was like, oh, I don't really like this too much, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. We so had to you, sing a lot of Ave Maria. Yeah, all like of that. it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you say you weren't <laughs> into the sports, so you were pretty much a creative more yeah. into yourself and discovering things. Yeah, I was, A, I was into music. 
Okay. Like I was into that pretty heavily. Um, what kind of music you like? I love jazz, to be honest with you. Okay. I don't like words. Mm-hmm. You know, I I listen to a lot of Nipsey Hussle though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen to it almost religiously. Oh mm-hmm. no. Yeah, I know, man. It was messed up, but like. You are right. Yeah, but I'm telling you though, like once you start, I mean, there's people that are like really digging into stuff now mm-hmm. and dissecting certain things. It's like, damn, he he said that, like, oh wow, that was some, you know what I mean? So it was very, uh, everything happens for a reason, you know. Yeah. And it sucked, but you know, a lot of people picked up on some stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of people picked up on some stuff. Yeah, I I think that Nipsey's death, you know, we found out so much about more than just, you know, the the rapper or Nipsey Hustle. It was just so many layers to Nipsey. Mm -hmm. And it just made you love him even more. But now he's gone. So it's like, you know, now we're in the aftermath of that. And you kind of look around and look at the industry and kind of compare him to other MCs. Like, what are they doing for their community? Like, what, what, what are we really doing out here? And you know what? It's wild that you say that because like you don't have to be you don't have to be a rapper or you know like a celebrity or an athlete. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be any of that to give back to your community. You know what I mean? Like to do something for your community. I think anybody that is in a like for instance, when I first came back to Memphis, and it's not something I just went around telling everybody about, but like when I first moved back to Memphis, you know, I was out in L.A. I, man, I was doing my own thing. I was, I was good. I'm straight. You know what I mean? I was doing internet marketing. I was like, internet, internet, marketing. internet sensation. I'm telling you. You know, so I came back to Memphis and I was straight. Mm-hmm. You know, financially, I was good. And so I, I noticed that there was a lot of, like, impoverished children, though. Mm-hmm. I noticed that there was, like, and when I was in L.A., there was like it was an area called Skid Row. I, I saw it. You got saw thousands it. of homeless yeah. people. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy how you just go down the street one block. You mess around and get lost. You go down the wrong street, it'd be a bad day. I mean, it looks like, it looks like what's that zombie show? What is that called? Walking, Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Like. Yeah, that's I mean, they're crazy. Out there in tents, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Crazy. And it, it, the messed up thing is like you get in, you once you realize that you fucked up and you turn down the wrong street, it's too late. Because they know like... <laughs> this nigga smell like soap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he smell clean. Oh, he ain't one God. of us. But it, now it's too late. Like you can't turn around and like run out of there. You know what I mean? Like you got this oh, shit and wait. Like the first alley I see, I'm, I'm gonna make a beeline down there. Oh my! But it's sad though. You know what I mean? Like for real, there's thousands of people. There's like it's like a small city of homeless people, and so I've always noticed that there was like homeless people in Memphis. It pales in comparison to you know the the. Skid Row, yeah. um, but so when I came back to Memphis, like on my own dime, you know, I put together like me, my wife, my my uh, two of my homies. One of my homeboys came from Houston, mm-hmm. drove from Houston because he wanted to like he was like, "Yo, that's dope," you know. And uh, Melvin, Melvin Thomas, got shout you out, brother. <laughs> and so he drove from Houston. I'm telling you, and we fed a hundred kids okay. in one day. You know, like we sat there and we made like lunches. Mm-hmm. And stuff at my house. I wrote it. I wrote an inspirational quote on every single bag. Mm-hmm. I could have, you know what I mean? I could have been lazy and just printed it out. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same, you know? Like, I wanted to put, I wanted to, like, physically write that in there, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, because the thing is, you got kids that are hungry. And it's it's more than just feeding them 
with food, it's more more than feeding their tummy. It's also about feeding them mentally as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like, it's hard to walk up to a child that's ten years old, hungry, and put them on game. Yeah. But if you could start off by feeding them, you know what I mean? Then maybe you can like put them on some just some real shit because they are the future. Definitely. You know? Definitely. And you know, Memphis is still number one for poverty. Absolutely. Still to this day. Absolutely. That's crazy. And it's sad. It is sad. You know, I was looking at some numbers and there are, let me see here, because I wrote this down too. I think the population of Memphis is 650,618 people that live in Memphis. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people. I mean, for a small city. And out of the 650-some thousand, 414,000 of them are black people. So I think we make up like 63.9% of Memphis. Yeah, we do. Right? Out of the 400,000 black people that live in Memphis, over 120,000 of them live in poverty. That is crazy. Over 120,000 of them live in poverty. And not like homeless poverty, you know, or like unemployment, not just that. But I'm talking about people who go to work 40 hours a week. You know, and they still live in poverty. Yeah, they they can't get a break. No, check if that it's it's like that out here. It is. It's like that, and for us to be majority African American um, city like this, you know, you would think we would probably made more leaps and bounds um, with some of the politics involved here in the city. So I, I do see some some change but mm-hmm. you know it's still i don't i don't we have a long way to go yeah we do but <laughs> yeah. you know at the same time we can't just sit around and wait for politicians to yeah. do something sometimes we got to do things ourselves even if it's something you know what i mean like minute mm-hmm. you know like a, a a a droplet in a pond of water still makes a ripple you mm-hmm. know what i mean like just doing something you don't have to be like you don't have to be that it person in order to do something that's true. Sometimes all it takes is information. Sometimes it takes words. You know, sometimes it takes, you know, words of encouragement, motivation, like a mentor, you know, <clears throat> point people in the right direction. I mentor some 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 young kids. Do you? Yeah, yeah. My daughter being one of them. But I mentor some some young brothers in the city. Um actually got I got them enrolled into the uh, aviation program. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um I was just rapping with dude and and it's crazy because it's like he wanted to do something. You could tell that he wanted to do something. I don't know what his situation was like at home. I don't know about, you know, his parents' financial situation or whatever. But I knew, and every time I talked to dude, like, his eyes just, I mean, like, he, he's really into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he did. He had no idea at all what he wanted to do when he was out of high school. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, you know, just think about man, you know, going to work it. Burger King, man, or, you know, I can I can go down to Shelby Drive, man, you know, working one of the warehouses mm-hmm. or something like that. And, uh, you know, there's so, many, there's so many people that that's what happens. You know, they turn Definitely. 18 and, and, like, that's what they do. Yeah. And when I, when I talk about people working 40-hour weeks, 40-hour-plus weeks and still living in poverty, um, you, you're talking about grown people going to work and making $14, $15 an hour. Some people are single parents raising multiple children on top of, like, all the other bills that they have. Mm-hmm. $14 an hour is not enough to survive to take care of yourself as an adult, let alone a family. Yeah. So then what happens? 
Now you got to go work two jobs. So now you got parents that's absent from the home because they're trying to keep a roof over their kid's head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and so then, of course, you know, there's no guidance. You have an opportunity for so much uh, negativity to happen. It's so down effect. It is. It is. But there, like I said, you know, there's there's something that we can do about it. Um, so my my main objective was I wanted to bring awareness of uh, aircraft maintenance and uh, the industry and uh, the career opportunities, not just aircraft maintenance, but even um, pilot opportunities to our community. Yes. You know, because, again, a lot of it is lack of awareness, you know, lack of knowledge. Okay, Trey, so tell me about this entire aircraft industry and, you know, what are you bringing to the table today for our African-Americans? Okay. Um, so what I'm bringing is this here, how I found out about it. I was in a situation where, again, my family, they owned a Subway restaurant. It was right across the street from FedEx. One day, I see a group of, I keep seeing, like, this same group coming into the restaurant. Man, they look, like, super happy, man. I was like, what do y'all, what do, y'all do? You guys are always dressed alike, and you guys look super happy. Like, <laughs> you guys can't be at work. What are you doing? And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're uh, students across the street at the aircraft maintenance school. And so the school called, is called TCAT, Tennessee College of Applied Technology. Right? So it's right on, like, Winchester and Tullahoma. And uh, I was like, Dad, I want to go do that. He was like, no, I'm opening up another restaurant. You got to run this one. We got to run the family business. Um, so that's how I found out about it, right? Some other people, they find out about it, like, way later on in life because, like, one of their cousins, brothers, you know, was an aircraft mechanic, and, and he makes really – it's a very lucrative career, too, by the way. You know, he's like, oh, man, he makes really good money. That's how they find out about it, you know. a lot Almost of people, like a secret society. It really is, <laughs> and there's not a lot of mechanics. You're talking about, like, 200,000, right? And so, again, with, with that small amount of people – and then you have the whole baby boom effect that's going on. You got people retiring at an incredibly rapid rate. Mm-hmm. Every year somebody turns 65. I work next to a 55-year-old guy. In 10 years, he's going to be retired. He's going to be 65 mm-hmm. years old. But now what if you would find out about this information at 18 years old? Mm-hmm. And you go to school for 18 months. Like, that's all it takes. Is a, it's an 18-month program. Mm-hmm. So you got kids that can go to school at the age of 18 graduate before they're 20 years old as a fully licensed aircraft mechanic. And and there's companies that are hiring kids right out of school at fifty to $70,000 a year. Wow. Mm-mm. You know? 18 months. 18 months. So are there any qualifications that one must have to even get into the school? Yeah, I mean, you have to have, like, <laughs> a, a high school diploma or you have to have a, a, a GED. And then you have to take an entry exam too. How is that entry it's like, exam? It's it's almost common sense, okay. you know. Like your jacket's red. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um it's a, it's a little bit of math involved, but you know, if you paid any kind of attention in school to anything, you'll you'll be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are there like any barriers to employment as a black aircraft mechanic? Barriers? Mm-hmm. Um so here's the thing. I'm not going to say that there's barriers. It's just the only barrier would be the lack of knowledge or the lack of awareness, mm-hmm. you know. 
you just don't know about it. Yeah. I can get in there. Like, there are literally less than 10% of the aircraft mechanics are African-American. Mm. Less than 10%. Mm -hmm. So if there's less than 10%, that means it's not that they don't want to do it. It's just they're not, they, they don't, don't know, know about it. it. And you would think with, with this being kind of like the logistic capital of the United States, right? that this would be a position or, you know, a, a trade or an industry that would be broadcasted, you know? Yeah. Well, Why it, is it so secret? Because they is, don't want African-Americans in it. Is that what it is? I mean, if you, if you could say that, mm -hmm. you know, um, you could, you could say that. I'm not going to say that exactly, but it's a lot of money. And, and yeah, some people are like, well, I want you to have access to this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a really good life. Mm -hmm. Um, so <laughs> you might be able to say that, um, but there it's it's changing now though. Is it? You know, yeah, because there's such a demand for mechanics. So like, especially with the baby boomers. Oh yeah, retiring, oh. they're gonna need some people. So so it's a good time to get in. Boeing technicians forecast predicts a world demand of seven hundred and fifty-four thousand new aircraft technicians by two thousand thirty-seven. So that's in that's eighteen years. Mm -hmm. And that's globally, with North America needing at least 189,000. So globally, that's like almost 42,000 mechanics a year, new mechanics a year mm -hmm. that they're going to need on top of trying to, you know what I mean, like keep up with the people that are retiring. Mm -hmm. So like in America, what is it, like 10.5 thousand mechanics a year? Wow. Yeah, so, but when we're saying like people don't really know about it, and that's kind of changing. Delta just put up a post, I think like a month or so ago, a couple months ago, saying that they're hiring 500 aircraft mechanics. Mm. 500. Have you ever known Delta <laughs> to like publicly solicit <laughs> employees like no. that? No. Did you know that Delta mechanics top out at $129,000 a year mm -mm. to go to work for three or four days? Wow. You know? So... They need it. It's a need for it. Yeah, it's not about, like, now it's like, now it's not about not letting them know about it. Mm -hmm. We need people. Do you think that this is an industry that um, people would be interested in? Um, like, what, I, I know it's very lucrative. Um, we're talking about, like, uh, operating on aircrafts and flying yeah. You know, to different parts of the world. Do you think that this is a an attractive trade? I think so. I mean, it sounds interesting to me because yeah. I like to travel, like when I can. But yeah. you know, do you think that's something that? Me personally, yeah, I would rather do that than to work in an office. Yeah, you know, um, and it's not hard. You know, I think, like, the hardest thing is going to school, honestly, and getting through the 18 months of school. It's fun. You're talking about a massive machine, mm -hmm. you know, like being able to basically travel in time, you know. Like, yeah. let's get real. It can transport over, you know, some planes over 300 people mm -hmm. thousands of miles away within a matter of hours, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say that, yeah, I worked on it. I had a plane come in one time, broke, broke down. I mean, it was broke. And so to fix it and then watch it take off, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I did that. <laughs> I got homies that are pilots, mm -hmm. you know, 
It's like my friend is getting ready to fly off in that plane. Wow. You know, one of my friends may be a mechanic that's flying with them, mm-hmm. you know. And so to fix something that basically was like, no, this plane can't fly, and to go and fix it and say it's good now. Wow. You know what I mean? Like that's a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, being able to travel, you know, because some airlines, honestly, whether you're a flight mechanic or a station mechanic, you know, like flight mechanics, they travel all over the world. You know, like honestly, there's times where I've been to, shit, I've been to more countries in a week than folks have been in a lifetime. Wow. You know, like honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part of it is really cool because you can you can go and see different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. basically for free because someone's, you know what I mean? Like you're being paid to... to yeah, a lot of downtime too, huh? Yeah, well, some, you know, there's some where you, you can have two or three days down on the ground, you know, just chilling. There's some where you might have more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as long as as long as the plane's working still, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you, <laughs> you take advantage of that downtime and your plane's not flying, you have issues, you know, but, yeah, it's it, with the downtime, you can you can go and explore and see things and then there's other airlines where they offer flight benefits you know so you can work for let's say for instance delta uh pretty much everybody that works for delta the mechanics and everyone they get free damn near free flight benefits for mm-hmm. themselves and their families yeah you know so mm-hmm. that's that's pretty cool it's a pretty good incentive so when we talk about the 18 months in mm-hmm. the program what does that curriculum look like what are you learning um, all the technical so basically, yes, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're learning electricity, you know, about electrical components, mm-hmm. um, avionics. You're learning about, you know, metal, sheet metal, how to um, how to manipulate and fabricate metals. Mm-hmm. You're learning about aircraft systems, hydraulic systems, you know. Um, you're learning about the the engine. Of the plane, mm-hmm. uh, there's so much stuff that you learn about in school. But the most important thing you're learning about how to obtain your airframe and power plant license is an A and P license. That's one of the most important things because, like, you can go to school for 18 months and and get a license, right? It doesn't mean that, oh yeah, I can go work on anything. Chances are you don't know shit, mm. right? You get out there, and it's gonna take you 30 minutes to find the right tool to take off this bolt. Like, you don't know anything. You're a novice. But you have a license, and that license is a license to learn mm-hmm. about the plane. You know, it's a license to learn how to fix it. You know what I mean? So that's the most important thing that you learn in school mm-hmm. is you learn how to go and get that license. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once you got your license, how long did it really take you to kind of really learn your way around a plane? Ooh. Well, see, I used to build airplanes. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to I built planes for like six years. I when I left Memphis, I moved to Nashville. So I built like C one thirties, G fours, G five. So you already knew off. about these planes. Yeah, yeah. I knew a little bit about them. Um, but so when I I think one of the first planes I worked on was like a seven forty seven. Mm-hmm. They're like the, the triple layer planes with the four engines on them. Mm-hmm. Huge. The first thing I did was like re- took an engine off and put a new one on. Like wow. the whole thing. It was crazy. Um, but there's people that have been doing this for 20 some years and they still don't like know the whole plan. They're just proficient in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. cause I, I still don't know my way like, all around it, mm-hmm. 
But the cool thing about that is, you know, you ever shop at Ikea, mm-hmm. right? You know, you go buy something from Ikea, they give you a manual, mm-hmm. and you flip through the manual, <laughs> <laughs> and it shows you step by step, right? Yeah. It's the same thing in, in, in aircraft maintenance. Mm-hmm. You have a, a maintenance manual that you have to abide by. Like, mm-hmm. that is your Bible. You don't go outside of that. If the FAA rolls up on you out there and you're working on anything, you can be changing the light bulb. If you're working on anything and you don't have that manual and, and if it's not accessible, mm-hmm. then there's a possibility of losing your license or the company being fined. That manual shows you step-by-step step exactly what you're working on, where it is, and how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, even though you don't know everything, you, can go to that manual. you know how to find that manual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's... Wow. Yeah. So, what does a typical day look like for an air- aircraft mechanic? All right, so for an aircraft mechanic that works at a station... A typical day would be, you know, you have a, I'm going to give you a good day. Give me a good day. Because there have been some bad days when I had to clip my nails because they were dirty. (laughs) (laughs) But a typical day, a a typical day would be, you know, um, a nice spring afternoon. It's warm outside. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. Mild weather. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Plane comes in. And uh, let, let, let's say, for instance, you know, a plane comes in, you go upstairs, and I'm, I'm talking to the pilot real quick, you know, find out the condition of the aircraft. How was the flight? Is there anything that, that went, went, anything that happened during flight that I need to know about, anything that needs to be fixed? Plus, I'm going to walk around the plane and make sure everything's still intact, make sure wings aren't hanging off, make sure the engine's not dangling, mm-hmm. you know, make sure, like, everything is what it's exact, exactly what it's supposed to look like. And then I'm going to go up and talk to the pilot. If everything is good with that plane... <clears throat> then there's nothing for me to do on it. Uh, you know, let's say, for instance, there's a blown tire. You're talking about you're talking about 400-pound, 500-pound tires, but it can be changed in about 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's There are times where the only thing I do is put oil in the engine. You That's know? an easy day. That's a good day. Though. You step up a ladder. You <laughs> pop open this little door on the engine. You pop open your can of oil. And you pour it in there. Bloop, bloop. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> it's, there's a little sight glass. You can look and see, oh, it's full. You close it back up and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's not hard, I'm telling you. Again, I think that's why a lot of folks don't know about it because it's not hard. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you something. Prior to this conversation, you look at an airplane Right or you walk on an airplane. What is like the first thing you think of? Not uh, not like is a plane gonna be able to fly, you know? But as far as like people that are like on that plane working, what's like what are the first people you think of? You said the am I? I'm looking at the people that are working yeah. on the plane, like yeah, attendants, yeah, or let's say like people involved with an airplane, yeah. Mm, I mean, just off site, a lot of them are. African-American. Mm-hmm. But so let's say, let's talk about maybe like the positions, right? The working positions you have. First thing you think of would be maybe a pilot. Oh, definitely. Right. <laughs> definitely and then, that. And then you think, oh, okay, well, yeah, there's flight attendants. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever thinks about, oh, it's an aircraft mechanic. No, they don't. I've no. had so many conversations with people and they're like, fuck. An aircraft mechanic. But I never thought but of that. But look, I do think about y'all when, you know how when it's time to board. Yeah. 
and there may be some extra delays. Don't let them get on their intercom and say something about something technical. I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to go. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I know y'all involved at that point. Yeah. But that's really, like, the only time. That's the only time. You know? And in all sincerity, like, a plane can't fly if the mechanic doesn't sign it off. If the mechanic doesn't take that pin mm-hmm. and return that plane to service, that plane's not going to fly. Mm-hmm. If that plane comes in and breaks, the pilot's not going to fix it. Right. It's the aircraft mechanic that fix it. It's the mechanics that keep those planes flying. Mm-hmm. It's the pilots that fly them, mm-hmm. you know. But, again, it's one of those things that was always, like, for for there to be 200,000 mechanics, it's one of those things where, like, you just didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, highly publicized. Yeah. The problem is, right, now you have, um, let's see, I think the demand for air travel and and jet aircraft right now, the demand for 2037 is 7.8 billion passengers traveling internationally. That's damn near double the 4 million that they're predicting to fly this year. (laughs) We're going to be in that Did I say million or did I say billion? (laughs) 4 billion. Last year alone, over a billion people flew in and out the United States. That's over a billion people flew in and out the United States. So... If you're talking about 7.8 billion people, I think like right now there's only, geez, how many airplanes are there right now? Because I think I wrote this down earlier. Um, what is the life cycle of an airplane? Like, should it really be in the air? Because some of those planes are really old. Like when um, all of that news came out about like the 747s and um, – it was what was the big issue? It was like all of these uh, crashes going on, yeah. and they were looking into oh seven thirty seven seven thirty seven. Problem with that is mm-hmm. those are new planes. Okay. Yeah, like there's planes that's, that's from nineteen ninety <coughs> that are still, still in the air, them. right? Yeah, and they're good because like it's here's the thing: um, if a component breaks on the plane, you just change out the component. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like. If a part of the plane breaks, like an engine fails, you just replace the engine. You don't need to replace the whole plane. The airframe, the structure and everything is still intact. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, avionic instruments in the plane that might go out. You just replace it with a, new, a lot of everything in an aircraft. It's not fixing it. Mm-hmm. It's removing it and replacing it with a new one. Mm-hmm. I'm not going in. I'm not going in to fix a hole. Mm-hmm. Take the whole thing off. Just put a whole new one on there. Call it a day. You know, like, that's really what it's, it, that's what it's about, you know. I mean, there's some troubleshooting involved and everything, but once you find out what the problem is, you take it off, put a new one on. You know, they don't want you messing <coughs> around trying to, like, yeah. Nah. <laughs> We're not going to throw the whole plane nah. away. We you can't pull over on a cloud at 35,000 feet <laughs> no, and fix the problem. No, you can't pull over on the cloud. No. Nah. Nah. So you mentioned 2037. Mm-hmm. What is travel going to look like? then do you think that even like the airplanes will still look the same do you think something structural wise is going to be different about aircrafts then yeah i think they're always playing around with stuff like did you see the plane that that they just released is shaped in the v Mm-mm. it's like a v-shaped airplane Not a v? yeah it's really i don't i won't fly on it i gotta see it fly multiple times before why I mess wouldn't with it. you an aircraft mechanic fly on that v-shaped plane tell me because i don't want to be the first one on it <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I didn't work to. on it. Right. If I didn't work on it, I don't want to be the first one. I, you know. Um, is it supposed to be faster due to that shape? It's supposed or to be faster, and it's supposed to be able to carry more people. Mind you, I told you there's 7.8 billion people that they plan on mm-hmm. flying. 
right? So that's the thing. They're not trying to find new ways to, like, cram more people into planes. They're just building more planes. Okay. And you talk about a plane, it costs $300 million a plane, too. $300 million. Yeah. That's average yeah. to build a plane. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a, a, a 767 or a 777. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's three hundred million dollar planes. But but think how you said what you're doing is replacing the parts. Uh, like the suppliers, they banking. Like isn't it like like Lockheed Martin, one of the yeah. biggest suppliers for aircraft? Yeah, they get, man. I know some people that work at Lockheed in Texas. They get. Paid. I used to work out there. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I was out there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Back in like I don't know, maybe like two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. No, two thousand seven, something like something like that. Mm-mm. Yep. Interesting. Where have you not been? You know, as I, far as I, travel, I have not been to Africa. I need. Why to not? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm asking the same questions. Honestly, like, hey man, y'all need to send me Africa for plan. I want to go to Cape Town. I want to go on like a vacation though. I don't want to be on like work work time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to go and uh, and just take two weeks. You know what I mean? And just, because I was going to go, uh, I went to Thailand a few months back. I saw that. Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. How was Thailand? It was an experience like none other. How long were you there? Two weeks. Two weeks. That's yeah. a good amount of time to enjoy I'm telling the country, you, it seemed like. Being an aircraft mechanic, it pays well now, I'm trying to tell you. You know? I mean, <clears throat> it creates uh, it, it creates a lot of possibilities, mm-hmm. unlimited possibilities. You can do a lot. All right, and, and you can also afford to be able to go somewhere and travel for two weeks. Mm-hmm. But I was going to go to Egypt, mm. and the trip that I went on, it stayed in Cairo the whole time. I was like, I'm not going to stay in Cairo for 12 days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do that. So uh, I went to Thailand instead, and it was like Bangkok and Phuket. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. It was a real good time. Again, <laughs> you're able to spend time and look at you know, like just different cultural backgrounds and, and look at different people, mm-hmm. eat different foods. I think I ate a, something other than chicken one time. Other than know. chicken? Yeah. What do you think it, you ate? It, <laughs> it, I think it. if we were in the States, it would have been someone's pet. I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh! Ain't no telling, but I ate some weird stuff. I got over there and I was like, well, y'all doing it. That's cool. I'll do it. You know? Like, I'll try it. Wow. <laughs> now, Chase, this is what I want you to do for me. Can yes. you speak to, like, some of the history of race um, in the airplane mechanic uh, pilot industry? Because, you know, throughout history, you know, black airmen and ground personnel, for example, the Tuskegee Airmen, you could think about, you know, those people that played a major part in this industry. Can you kind of talk about some of the history with this whole industry? For African Americans, I mean, for African Americans, um, it's been a challenging history. I can say that, you know. I think again because it's one of those it's one of those industries. Like I said, you're dealing with a three hundred million dollar machine. Mm-hmm. They're not paying people pennies to work mm-hmm. on these, you know. So when you're looking at a pilot that can make three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. You know, um, a lot of people don't want other black folks working there. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just some people are just like, I'd rather I'd rather you not have it, you know? I mean, that's like a lot of people right now, they're waiting to retire. You know, they're trying to grandfather their, mm-hmm. 
their uh, kids and their nephews and their grandkids in, and they have all the information. We don't have the information. Like I said, we end up finding out years later mm-hmm. by default, by some accident. And it's like, if you had had that same knowledge at the age of 18, I think a lot of people would have actually made that decision to go into aviation. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about the history of aviation, which is, I think, 100 years, mm-hmm. just think 100 years back. How are we being treated 100 years ago? You know what I mean? And so do I really want someone that's three-fifths of a human being working on a plane I'm getting ready to fly in? Mm. Not really. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even value them as a human. I don't want them getting in the sky and something they touched. I don't want to get in this elevator next to them. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like like that. So let alone I don't want to work next to them. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, and, and then I'm sure a lot of people thought that black folks were ignorant, not capable to fly aircraft. You don't have... Enough they didn't even want sense. us to read, so. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Reading was illegal at one point. Yeah. You know, and that's that's very unfortunate. And you're talking about something that happened. All of this is like less than 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. So It's I, not that far away. It's not. So with all of the negative, because I'm, 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 I'm real, like, energy driven. I pay very close attention to energy. And whether it's positive or negative. So I look at it like this here. With all of the negativity that was taking place over the last 100 years, you got to look at where we are now, mm-hmm. right? And let me stop for one second and just say congratulations to you guys for what y'all are doing. You know what I mean? Like, what episode are you guys even on? 73. 73. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I? Because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, that's like, I'm sure the first episode wasn't the easiest, mm-hmm. nor was the second. But y'all were were persistent. And consistent with it and so now you're on episode 73 mm-hmm. and that's just amazing i think that we need more people like y'all you know like shout out to your crew for real thank you thank yeah we trying yeah but you know so you gotta think about again over 100 years and then it wasn't just 100 years and then like oh okay you guys are free and you know go do your thing <laughs> you got you know what i mean like there were people going to jail and becoming slaves again just for reading, mm-hmm. you know, like you, then you have the whole civil rights movement, which really just ended what in the in the late sixties, beginning mm-hmm. of the seventies, maybe. So it's not far away. You know what I mean? It's Our not far away. Yeah, we're involved in that. Our grandparents, you yeah. know, it's not that long ago. Yeah, you know, I think I look at things like this here. What we're living with right now, we 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 live with our our past, present, and the future. Our past being our elders, they went through things so that we can live the life that we live today. They went through that, you know, civil rights movement, you know, seeing some people seeing their, their grandparents standing on an auction block being sold off, you know, like that's our past. And they went through that so that we can live in the present that we live in today. What we do today with the time that we have today determines the life that the future is going to have. You know what I'm saying? And it determines the lifestyle that they're able to have, and it also determines the kind of future that we live in as well. You know, so I think it's very important to pay attention. I know it's easy to get caught up in the right now and in the me, Mm -hmm. but one day, you know, like, so I took my daughter, she's 14, I took her flying. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know of any other 14-year-old kid that flies a plane, flew a plane. Mm -hmm. 
But um, it was just you and her. It was me and her and the flight instructor. Okay. Yeah, there's no way I would get in there with just her <laughs> and me <laughs> and let Were her. Were you scared? <laughs> You weren't scared. You knew your daddy had you huh? She was a G with it. Oh, she, wow. She did good. She did really good. But I try to set her up, you know what I mean? Because I understand one day, she's 14, one day soon she's going to be 18, 19, 20 years old. I can't, I can't sleep at night knowing that she's not doing straight, you know? Knowing that she's going to work every single day for 40 hours a week, but she still is in an impoverished situation, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, not if I, not if I can do anything about it. Yeah, you gotta, you know, we work so hard because we want to leave a legacy for our kids, yeah, and for their kids. You know, that's why I'm just glad. Like you, you talking about the podcast, we're able to create something, yes, you know, that's impactful, yeah, and that can last and will be in history. You know, yeah, and and you never know who's watching or who's listening you, never you can you can really say something to inspire and motivate a person i think one of the reasons why i go back up to the school and speaking of the school i'm going to tell you some really cool stuff about that though but one of the reasons why i go back up to the school and i talk to some of the classes is because that's what happened with me when i was going mm-hmm. you know like my son was born like the first week of school it was it was it was kind of weird you know like going to school every day and I got a brand new baby at the house and, you know, everything in life happening. Um, But somebody came up there one day and uh, he was just talking about his experience being out there traveling and working on planes. And dude said some numbers and I was like, for real, bro? Like, they paying like that? You know, like, okay, I think I'm going to stay here and do this thing. (laughs) You know, so... That's one reason why I try to go up there and and talk to some of the kids because you never know who who just who needs to hear mm-hmm. something, you know. Because there's know. folks on the verge of dropping <laughs> out, there's people on the verge of failing out, you know. And it's like, nah, bro, just stick it out. This at aviation school. Yeah, yeah, it's the aviation school. It's on Winchester and Tullahoma. The school's called TCAT. Now here's T-Cat. the cool, yeah, TCAT, Tennessee College of Applied Technology. Mm-hmm. Here's the cool thing about TCAT mm-hmm. right now. I was actually talking to a pilot the other day, and he was like, man, right now is the perfect time for females to get in aviation. They want to be pilots. For a pilot to say this, there's a white dude, too. He was like, man, right now is the perfect time for females to get in aviation. That's what I'm saying. There's no room for discrimination right now. Mm-hmm. Like, really, like, there's no room for it because you're talking about air travel increasing at a rapid rate. More people are flying more than ever before. Mm-hmm. You got more planes that are being built faster than ever before. And then you got people retiring, like, fast as shit. You don't have time to, like, oh, yeah, I don't want you, you're black. Hell no, you got a license? Come on. You don't even have a license. Fuck it. Come on, we're going to train you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, we're going we're gonna to let you work, and you're going to learn how to get your license mm-hmm. and still work. There's some, there's some companies that do that. There's some high schools. There's some high schools. I think Wooddale, is that a school here? Mm-hmm. I think Wooddale. Wooddale might be a participant. They actually let some of the seniors in high school come to the aviation college and and start their courses there. So that way when they graduate high school, they only have like six or eight months left of school mm-hmm. at the at the uh, at TCAT. And then they got their license. So you're talking about straight up 18 years old, 19 years old with a license, able to go and make $50,000, $70,000 wow. a year. You know what I mean? Like that's... For some people, it's that's like, life-changing. Mm-hmm. There are families, mom and dad, there are families that don't make that, that, don't make that really, in Memphis. And, and so for one person to be able to, 
I think again it can create it can create opportunities. It could you can do anything with it. You know, like you could start a business if you want to. Mm-hmm. You know, you can invest. You can start flipping real estate if you want to. You can start flipping cars with it if you want to. It creates an opportunity um, for multiple streams of income, mm-hmm. honestly. Or shit, if you don't want to do nothing, then you know you just get a fat check. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, how you want? But the TCAT, mm-hmm. the school. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about that is, right now, you can go to school there and graduate in 18 months. And unlike some universities, you know, you graduate and you owe fifty, sixty thousand dollars in student loan debt. You can go to TCAT and graduate 18 months and you owe shit. You owe nothing back. Wow. Yeah, because they have programs like they have Pell Grants mm-hmm. and they have Tennessee Reconnect programs, mm-hmm. right? So you fill out a FAFSA and based on your age, your age and then your financial situation, there's a lot of folks. And you're talking about the school. I think it's like 15 grand. Mm-hmm. There's some people in other places and other cities and other states. They don't have access to Tennessee Reconnect and the Pell Grant. Mm-hmm. They got to pay out of pocket. You know, and some programs are costing people twenty, thirty thousand bucks. That's and what I'm gonna ask you how much it will be out of pocket about. So if you have a out of pocket if you're paying for it out of pocket, you're gonna spend about fifteen thousand, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more. Right. You got the Pell Grant, mm-hmm. then you're not paying anything. You got Pell Grant and Tennessee Reconnect, you're not paying anything, help anything, you might be getting something back. Mm-hmm. You know, but out of pocket the only thing you're gonna pay for is like your toolbox, school uniform, mm-hmm. and your books. 18 months. 18 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, you need to come spread the word yeah. uh, in some of these high schools. Man, that's, that's, that is my objective. Yeah. You know, like, that's really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I want to do, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, A, more people need to know about it because mm-hmm. of the demand. <clears throat> but at the same time, as a black man, you know, I see kids that they just want to, they want to do something. Mm-hmm. They just don't know what. Yeah. Give them some direction. You know what I mean? And, and if you just give them some direction and give them some guidance, it, not everything is for everybody. Yeah. You know, some people, you know, they, they might hear it and, you know, do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. But if just one person mm-hmm. hears it and decides to, to do something, mm-hmm. you know, then that's how we could change things. If each one reaches one, you know, then we could change people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we could change the community at the same time. Yeah, I'm definitely going to talk to my son about it. Yeah. Because he's 13 going on 14. And, of course, you know, he got hoop dreams right now. But I'm going to talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. Just at least, you know, try to get him to research, do his research on it this summer while he's, you know, trying to be lazy around him. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) one one of the things that I tell people, you know, is 18 months is 18 months. It's going to go by anyway. That's not long at all. At all. And time is just flying You'll by. spend more time procrastinating and BSing yeah. than you would if you just take that leap and do it, right? Yeah. But imagine, if you will, you go into this program right out of high school. Mm-hmm. You know, even there's some people that might be 20, 21 years old that are, you know, still trying to figure out their way. Mm-hmm. But you just imagine... An 18-year-old going into this program, coming out at the age of 19 and a half, maybe right at 20, mm-hmm. no student loan debt mm-hmm. lingering over his head. Sally Mae's not knocking on anyone's door over here. Mm-hmm. The only thing knocking on your door is a job opportunity. Hey, you, you just got your license? <laughs> How old are you? Come on. Old enough. <laughs> yes. 
we're going to offer you $70,000 to come work here. You know? I mean, and that's real. And, and that's, so that's really nice for someone 19 and 20 years old. Yeah. That kind of salary. Yeah. And it's, it's life real. changing. It is. And it's real. Like it's not it's not a joke. And they're about to start paying more because of the demand. Yeah. And the shortage, you know. Wow. Yeah, I better uh get on www.tcatcat.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Tennessee get registered. College, Tennessee College of Applied Technology. I'm telling you. Wow, Chase. I'm so glad you were able to enlighten the verbally effective audience on this whole aircraft industry. And I hope people are definitely paying attention. And, you know, I know you're a very woke person. Um, it just kind of makes me want to kind of transition into current events with you real quick and talk about the recent Netflix series oh, that, yeah. you know, just aired uh, When They See Us by Ava DuVernay. Um, and it was about the Central Park Five. Those five young men were accused of raping um, a white woman who was jogging in Central Park, New York. And, you know, they were pressed for time on getting um, someone to be accused of this crime. And they randomly picked five black young men. Mm that had nothing to do with this crime. And the Netflix series just kind of really digs into how it affected their lives, their family, um, other people, how, you know, the prosecutor that was on like a witch hunt to get these young men, um, she was still profiting off of these books that she wrote after she became really famous for accusing these young men of the crime. What did you think about when they see us? Personally, I think that everybody involved Mm -hmm. um, in prosecuting those kids knowingly. They know know they was wrong. Yeah, I think they should all all be thrown in jail. They should. I mean, personally, honestly, Mm -hmm. that's what I think. You know, a lot of people just forgive and forget, but you know, at some point, like, no, nah, you got to be held accountable for your wrongdoings. And that was dead wrong. But you're talking about something that happened in 1989, but that happens every day still. It does. You know? It does. Uh, f- it's an unfortunate situation, but fortunately, they were able to go to jail and still live. Yeah. You got people oh. nowadays, they don't make it home. Yeah. You know what I mean? They went through it, though. They, they did. through it. Absolutely. I think it was a very unfortunate situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and again, you're talking about 14, 15 year old little boys. That's you're talking, my son age. You know what I mean? That's all I could think about that's watching. My, that's my that daughter's age. I don't even think she's ever kissed a boy before. You don't think? Right. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dad, don't ask that question. Be a long don't ask drive if you don't want to know. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, you're talking about boys who probably never even kissed a girl before and being locked up for right. And then the messed up part was the fact that nobody, not even a witness, came forth and and, and pointed the finger at them. No. And the people that were ID'd weren't charged. Like, the people that were like, oh, yeah, I saw this person there, and then they're in court. And like, well, is this is one of those guys here? No, he's not here. The sock with the stuff in it, with the DNA in it. No, it was over at that point. Yeah. No. So to prosecute them and then and then find them guilty because of the a statement. The jury need yeah. to go to jail. I said everybody involved. 
everybody involved that had anything to do with them boys going to jail should they should also go to jail, and they should also be subjected to the same treatment that that those boys were subjected Corey, to. Corey, the last guy, they had to do a whole episode on his case was just seemed to be the most highlighted and the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that he went through, because from understanding, you know, he had some learning disabilities, so um, yeah. That that actor played their role to a T. He did, he did. They he had really some did. outstanding acting. Yeah. But I really think like Ava DuVernay is a master at telling stories. Like it just seemed like her work can just put you there mm-hmm. at the scene and like really she plays on our emotions for real. Yeah. Like I I was just I saw that it was what, five five series, five part series. That first one got me. Yeah, the first twenty minutes of it. It pulled you in. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. I'm like, wow. I felt bad for the actors. Yeah. For the actors. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. man, bro, I'm sorry that it happened to you. Like yeah. they all did so you well. Had to relive it. Yeah. And they did such a good job, mm-hmm. you know, uh reliving that. You know what I mean? And just uh you know it's some good acting when you hate the T V. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man, I couldn't stay still. I'm walking around, <laughs> pissed off. Yeah. On the phone. Like, did you see it? You got to look at it now. Yeah. Trying to tell my son, come watch it. He's like, I don't want to see that. You need to see it. Thank that you. I had the same conversation. Man, I'm sitting here and I, and I try to explain to her, right? Because, again, what you're talking about in 1989 was when boy went to jail. Nowadays, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's there are high school kids getting choke slammed Mm -hmm. ddt being put in wrestle moves by police yeah and then you know there's some people that again they don't make it home and some of it's children you know what i mean so you know it's one of those things where it it sucks that you even have to have that conversation with your kid you know what i mean like we gotta sit down and have that talk no not the sex talk it's about the not being shot by police talk you know it's to not not to have a bullseye on your back talk it's to be like a chameleon and blend in with everybody else talk you know what I mean? It's like it's it's that talk. Why why should we have to have that? Why should we have to have that talk with our kids? You know, like well, how about hey man, just go out and have fun. Don't don't be a bully. It's Enjoy necessary. Life. You know, it is necessary, and it's unfortunate that we have to do that. Yeah. Um, but like I said, nowadays it's not it's not really like kids just being accused of stuff and arrested. Nah, man, you just boom 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 because you're black. Hey man, I I didn't know what you were doing. Oh, you're brushing your hair. My bad shit. <laughs> That's how I go. You know, folks getting police called on them for having cookouts and getting in an elevator in a building that they live in. You know what I mean? So it's like it's one of those things where it's, it's if you don't know how to conduct yourself, mm-hmm. because if they come, if they're called on you, they're not coming to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, some of them are right. Not all of them are bad, right? But that's just like I think Muhammad Ali said it right. You know, you have a you have a if you're standing at a doorway, you got a hundred snakes coming at you. You don't know which one wants to bite you and which one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Do you let them all in the room and figure out which one wants to bite you? Do you close the door on them and don't let them in, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like that, and it sucks that it has to be like that because you don't know who wants to help you and you don't know who wants to hurt you, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like you just got to know how to conduct yourself when they show up. And they're showing up at an alarming right now because people are calling the police on folks for being left black in America. Right, left and right. But you yeah. got to understand, you know, hey, this ain't where we from, baby. Mm-mm. This is not where we're from. You know, we just we just uh we coexist and we co co inhabitants in, in this uh in this country. That's 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and on a lighter <laughs> note, um, did you hear the good news about your boy Jay-Z reaching yeah. billionaire status? Yeah. And you know what a lot of people was like? I, I thought that uh, Diddy Ben made it. I thought Dr. Dre was already a billionaire. No, it's official. It's hove. Yeah, you know, and then the whole Dr. Dre situation, I was like, you know, it was from the headphones and stuff. Yeah. It was the company mm-hmm. was bought for a certain dollar amount. Yeah. You know, Diddy, you know, with the Ciroc yeah. and Aqua Water. He diversified. And, oh, yeah. But yeah, Jay yeah. is a master at it. He's been that. He's been telling folks that, too. He's been telling people. And if you look at all of the different businesses that Jay-Z has, He's made the least amount of, me, of money in the music piece. Yeah. Everything else is made way more. Music is at the bottom yeah. of the totem pole. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, again, as we're having this conversation, there's a lot of kids that want to be rappers. A lot. You know, it, a lot of them. go viral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes if you know what you're doing, if you know the business side of it, you'll be straight. If you don't know the business side of it, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You know, you get in and then you know, it's, it's really not that many people making it mm-hmm. in the music industry. Just like, I mean, sorry, there's not that many people making it in the basketball, in the sports industry either. That's true. You know, so, but everybody wants the glitter and the, and the fame and the, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, it's systematic kind of setup. It is. Very. It is. It is. Um, but so again, it's like there's some people that get in it. And they can make moves and create multiple streams. That's really what it's all about. Yeah. You know, just setting yourself up for the next move, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely, definitely. Well, Chase, I have enjoyed you on the pod. Do you have any parting words for the verbally effective audience on how they can get into this entire aircraft industry? Uh, my parting words would be, yeah. My parting words would be visit TCAT, uh, com. Check the school out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, you know, go up to the school, check it out or check me out on Instagram. At I am Chase Morgan. Um, and then, you know, hit me up. I can give you some information. I mean, I'm an open book. I ain't hiding nothing, you know, yeah. at all. I want I really want our community to get more involved in, in aviation. But, you know, it's time for us to step into our greatness, though, honestly. Yeah. So let's do that. You know, and like let's I think that it's, it's important as a community to reach out. And do what we can to help out the younger people, especially if, if you're in that situation. If you're in a situation, too, I think it's, in, it's imperative that you do that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming by My the pleasure. Verbally Effective Podcast, Mr. Chase. Yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. <laughs>